Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must-read, The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Books a Million, or wherever fine books are sold. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Food and Beverage Magazine Live. I have to tell you, if you see a little bit more of a giddy exuberance in me, it's because we have a Hall of Famer, a rock star, uh, an Olympian. Pick the pinnacle of any achievement, of any endeavor. And today we're going to talk to one of the people who gets me the most inspired. We're going to talk to pit master Ed Mitchell. He's one of the world's leading experts on Carolina barbecue, but on the great tradition of barbecue and being a pit master. The word master is not misplaced when it's used in the context of Ed Mitchell's art. I'd love to remind everybody that the fine arts with the capital F includes the culinary arts, the pit master's arts, because We're distinctive in our hospitality industry because every single one of the edible fine arts are the only ones which use all five of your senses. You can't say that about dancing or painting or sculpture or any of the other fine arts. Ours is the only realm of fine arts that use all five of our senses. And there is no dimension of the culinary and hospitality arts that really inspire and arouse our senses the way the pit master does. And in that sense, well, we're going to Edible Mount Olympus today to speak with pit master Ed Mitchell. What an honor it is for this fangirl to get a chance to say hello and welcome you to our table. Hello and how are you? Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for that great, great introduction. It's rubbing on pretty big, so I appreciate that. Hopefully, <laughs> like the work that you do, it's balanced and just right. Tell everybody, um, Ryan and, and and about your world and take us in to the beauty of the Carolina smoky and edible arts that is your dominion well you know listen we are father and son team here ed and ryan mitchell uh you know our legacy in the barbecue world dates back uh over 150 years um from my great-grandfather to my grand my grandfather to my father and now to myself the torture bearer here for the next generation uh you know the carolinas is um is unique uh, to the barbecue world because, uh, you know, our claim to fame is the whole hog barbecue, uh, whole hog chop barbecue. 
Uh, you know, whole hog is kind of the centerpiece of the barbecue world because it gives you, you know, all the flavor pro- profiles of the animal. Uh, Eastern North Carolina, vinegar-based, we always say. Uh, we, we like to say here in the Carolinas, you know, barbecue is a noun. Uh, it's, it, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an adjective, you know, most people think it's an act of cooking, but barbecue for us is a dish. It's a lifestyle. Um, you can ride around any neighborhood here in Wilson, North Carolina, Eastern North Carolina, you'll see a barrel smoker sitting outside of somebody's yard, uh, you know, the same way you would see a, a vehicle. So it's a lifestyle, you know, we take a lot of pride in, uh, you know, just being able to share this little small piece of uh, of the county here with the rest of the world. It's been an amazing, amazing, you know, 30 years here uh, and, and being able to do so commercially. So, Can I ask a question? Because I am, and I, I will apologize a hundred ways from Sunday. Right. I'm a Yankee. I'm originally from Boston. Yep. We know what we do well. Uh, we do seafood well. We do lobster roll well. Uh, we do beans really well, yeah. uh, but, but, but I don't know that any place can come close to what you do. So I didn't grow up with this tradition. Yeah. Help us understand, because I wish to give you the respect. Uh, are, are you referred to as chef or is there a specific term that's used for pit masters? That is the term of respect that one uses in a, in a, in a sort of dining kitchen where you'd say chef yes chef yes chef what is the term that's used in barbecue well it's that it's called us pit masters okay yeah it's, it's no special um it's very special as far as i'm concerned let's talk a little we, bit about uh, we, we ordained uh you know we, we like to say we ordained the commercial use of pit master you know 19 from 1999 to 2001 we started referring ourselves as, as pit masters. Just to give you a little historical context, the origin of uh, cooking whole hog on, on uh, in, in the Carolinas, it, you know, the ugly past of it is that it is an evolution of food preparation for plantation. And so those are skill sets and those are, uh, you know, those were, that, that was a lifestyle that was honed, you know, by our ancestors. And in the very beginning, <clears throat> The reference was uh, pit boys. Uh, that was the usage of the oldest uh, male slave that was doing you know, the barbecue and plantations. And as the craft began to uh, gain uh, a high level of respect and barbecue in general in the Carolinas began to grow into a much more commercialized platform, you know, uh, my father started calling himself the pit master Ed Mitchell, you know, way back in. 1991, and it kind of, um, we, we took off from there with the usage of, uh, of the word. And um, Antonio Bardain came in on season two of Cook's Tour once he anointed him as, uh, you know, a, a pit master and a crap that should be highly spoken of. It, it, we just, the rest of the world then began to use the word pit master in place. Um, and that was, you know, that was a function. You know, so, well, and I gotta say, and if you haven't seen it, go on uh, YouTube, watch it. It is one of the ten best episodes uh, Chef Bourdain ever did. Um, let's talk a little bit about how much 
of the magic, the secret sauce, if you will, that makes Carolina barbecue more than any other, really something special in the entire nation's scope of barbecue and how what you all are. I want to say it's the legacy of what you're doing that really makes a lot of people pay attention in the most reverential kinds of ways. But it's a very important articulation of our food nations. Absolutely. Uh, roots in a culinary tradition. There are few things that we have anywhere in North America that are as um, revered, as expert, as driven by some of the most essential aspects of cuisine, which are time, temperature, and technique. Mm -hmm. uh, you can take this and go anywhere in the world and, and hold our, our culinary, our national culinary own against any cuisine culture anywhere on the planet. Um, given that extraordinary legacy, and then coming back to America, would you talk a little bit about what makes Carolina barbecue tradition so incredibly important? Well, one of the things I think that <clears throat> makes it so important is the fact that uh, we start off with the animal itself, uh, the hog or the pig, whichever one you prefer, uh, and learning the skill sets of being able to roast them over hot coals and, and uh, wood cinders. Um, for smoky flavor, uh, to be able to learn the craft of how to place your coals in the right position uh, on the animal as he cooks so that all the parts to get done at the same time because the um, thickness of the animal, shoulders are thick, yeah. and then the uh, hands parts that stick. So you have to be able to temper those areas just right so that little part where the ribs are, where the, where the uh, bacon is, you don't, you don't overly cook that, you don't dry that right. out. So uh, that's one of the things I think that really makes it so unique. And then last but not least is that you have an opportunity then to what I call a mop sauce. Take a variety of different spices and vinegar and, and kind of blend it together and uh and cook it into the meat as it cooks or you can just wait till you finish <laughs> excuse me and uh and then blend it all together then once you once you harvest it and chop it up but um the skill set the craft itself uh smoking part i think makes it so unique is that uh, back in the day uh when i was coming up they cured tobacco with hardwood. Our area was oak. And, oh, wow. And uh, so we used the oak wood to also uh, cook, the, cook the, the barbecue. So at night when we um, fired, it, fired the bars of tobacco bars up, you know, we also would be cooking a hog for the next, for the next day. For the workers to enjoy and, uh, and as they work and as they harvest the tobacco, and uh, and so uh, it became a tradition as to who could uh, who could cook the best pig without burning it, and who could make the best sauce. 
And so everybody began to mostly experiment with, as I said before, with hot peppers and vinegar and different spices and everything that really had a tremendous aroma as it, as it began to, uh, drip the, on the, on the, on the cylinders as it was cooking. And that sort of made your mouth just water and smelling it <laughs> and doing it at the same time. So the technique itself, I think makes it, makes Carolina so, so unique. And, uh, and the fact that we, uh, use the whole animal to give you a full flavor profile of all of the parts of the animal, because each part has a different flavor profile. You know, you have your, your shoulders and you have your bacon, you have your tenderloins and things of that nature. And it's, it's just, it's just good. You also have, uh, there it is. There it is. Uh, you, you also have to understand also Jennifer, the agricultural significance. Like you really can't talk about whole all of the Carolinas without first, uh, paying homage to the farms and the, and the farmers, uh, so the animal itself, uh, you know, we have an affinity for, you know, the whole hog because quite honestly, uh, that was the animal used to feed the largest numbers of people. It was, a, it was, it was a survival animal. Okay. So you can't feed 500 people, uh, and you know, with cuts of chicken or, or, right. you know what I mean? So the hog itself played a huge agricultural survival, uh, to North Carolinians as well. You know, it was a protein that was able to be used to feed large, back, you know, large groups of people, which, you know, from farm life, you know, the, the, the transition from farm life, to, you know, uh, to, to country living, to plantation living, on up to, to where we are right now. And then you get into having, like understanding the ingredient profile. Um, we gave the world uh, a reason to have an affinity or vinegar, right? So vinegar is the key ingredient uh, in making the Eastern North Carolina sauce. Now, and I want to I want to show that because we've actually got a bottle yes. of pre-made foods East Carolina, and uh, Ed, your picture is right on the front of this bottle. I have to say, <laughs> uh, this is a very very fine product, uh, and and you 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 claim on the back that the secret ingredient is authenticity. I'm going to ask, it, it, it has to be you know, legacy tradition and a little bit of love. Um, but I want to talk uh, about the sauce, but I want to go back before we ship away from this to the animal. You, you all are um, advocates for the heritage breeds that are really rooted in the traditions in Carolina. And at a time when we are getting further, it seems, and further away from the sort of real that we started with, and in this case, I'm going to use the word true as in true made, the true Carolina heritage breeds. Uh, we've really got a stewardship and um, important uh, care that we need to bring to sustain these breeds, to sustain these traditions. You cannot maintain a Carolina barbecue tradition without the whole hog, and it can't just be any hog. I would imagine you could make my shoe taste delicious, but that's not what we're talking about. We are, and I'm, and I know this makes everything taste good. But I want to talk about how important it is because you, you spend a lot of time in the sustainability field, uh, relative to the awareness, the introduction of, and then the preservation of this, um, tradition of breeds that are Carolina uh, native breeds. 
heritage breeds. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and the fact that um, uh, the animal uh, has a natural way of life is not stressed. Uh, and I have to be very careful when I say things like this because I'm not putting down any operational process, you know. I'm just speaking from a strategically cook, pit master, chef, whatever you want to refer me to, trying to get the best product that I can get to prepare for the people that I'm doing it for. And I found out that whenever we get animals that, that was raised in a natural environment and they had a natural way of, of lifestyle, they had a natural way of breeding. In other words, they, they weren't artificially inseminated. I mean, the the uh, bull and the and the sow sort of chose each other. I mean, it was it, it, it sounds sort of um, comical, but it's the fact that you know uh, if everything was in a natural setting, then the outcome would be very very nice. I mean, the product comes out very nice. No no stress levels, and you and you're able to when you cook that, you're able to tell the difference. And the, and the flavor itself of the animal. The, the t- I'm nodding in agreement like I'm familiar with what you're saying is true. And I don't know that I've had that luxury of that experience, but, but I'm nodding because, of course, that makes perfect sense. I'm wondering, Chef, would you be good enough if we were to put the image of the finished whole hog up again? Could you talk us through from nose to tail about what you were talking about before? about where the the thickness on the shoulders and, and in the hams, where where you really have to bring all your art and science and skill and mastery to the act of preparation so that you're understanding. Um, Tony, can we put that image of that whole hog back up? Chef, would you talk us through what we're looking at here? Well, you look at uh, an animal that but split, we call that particular cut a butterfly split. Uh, and the reason for that is that we want to uh, start off cooking this animal with the skin up or the meat down toward the flames. Uh, if you if you notice from the rear, those are the hams, and that's that's the that's that they're very thick. And you're gonna you have to to be able to adjust your flames or just your cinders or your cold in an area where that, that, that heat is a little more intense than it would be if you come to the middle of the animal where the bacon is and where the ribs are, which is, which is much thinner. And as you go up toward the shoulder part, it's very thick, almost similar to the hams. So you have to be able to position your cold in a way that you, that you put enough just right, not too many, around the shoulder part, so that part will get good and, 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 and tits about the heat. And then less as it comes down back toward the shook back toward the hams, because it's not as thick as where the tenderloins are, you don't want to dry them out. So you have to um, be able to perfect that. Once you once you are able to perfect that, okay, then you probably end up with a with a very decent outcome. Because you, you know the have positioned yourself, and you have put the right temperature in the right spots, that should give you a very good, productive, very good outcome. Tony, can we put that back up? I have a couple of questions I wanted to ask uh, Chef 
uh, about this. What's extraordinary to me is in looking at this, I know that the great deal of seasoning and flavor um, have been used in this process. And yet most people, when they think of barbecue sauce, they think of something that has like a very coating kind of effect. This looks like just a beautiful smoked and roasted animal. Um, is that how? You, yeah, can you can you talk a little bit about the um, fact that this got some seasoning, but it looks like a really beautifully just. I can't really even tell if it's roasted or smoked, <laughs> uh, and and I want to understand how this could be so gorgeous, and. It's it's really interesting to me to look at those charred bits as though they got a little extra something. I can clearly see the grape marks on the hams. Uh -huh. And as you go up through the ribs and you can see some pooling of some liquid, I can almost see that mimicking the look of this Carolina um, sauce that I have in the in the bottle here. Can you talk a little bit about this? Is this roasted or is it smoked or a little bit of both? It's a little bit of both. Uh, and once the, once we take it up and what you see here, uh, is we like to take, uh, sauce there that just kind of pop up one of the ribs cages. I mean, and sort of again, pouring your sauce down the middle and it sits there and then it begins to simmer right into the meat. And, uh, that's what you, that's what you see. You see the little pool of of uh, with like vinegar based sauce and that's what that is it's, it's that's why it's so important also to get the heritage breed animals i mean they come out uh we, we don't pre-season any of our any of our houses before we cook them we cook them in there it's natural setting natural state uh so we don't start the seasoning process until afterwards and then you know and and sometimes about halfway through we'll get a little bit of the the vinegar based sauce there and we'll start to, to coat them uh, once we flip them over and we'll let it roast for another hour uh, with the skin side down and, and let the sauce simmer uh, for the finishing, you know, for the finishing product. But uh, in most of the settings, we're going to take that animal and we're going to debone him and we're going to begin the process of chopped whole hog barbecue from that state. And so we like it to be unseasoned until we get to the point of chopping him up and then we start to, to work on the seasoning profile yeah i've got to ask you one more question about that beautiful whole animal that's in front of us here when you are the pit master like the cook in any kitchen anywhere in the world one of the happy dividends is you get to take that little taste of that secret bite that's the best bite of the whole thing the oyster and the roast turkey on thanksgiving what's the What's the secret bite on a whole hog when you're looking at it like this? That's that's usually saved for the pit master. Is there a is there a pit master's nibble? <laughs> right. <laughs> that's good, you get yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, I'm, I I don't know like the nibble around the uh, real tenderloin part. I yeah get the um the little bit of that fat. Yeah. That cut right there at the bottom of the leg, where you can get a little piece of this, uh, the pork crackling, as well as tear open some of the uh, the meat on the inside, the tender, the tender area from the inside. That's usually that's usually the go-to move. Anytime you can combo the pork crackling, pull with the meat. That's that. That's the. 
That is choice. That sounds delicious. I've got to come back to the sauce that our friends at True Made Foods have sent to us. There are actually two kinds of Carolina, uh, Carolina Gold and East Carolina. Let's leave this up for a second. There's three kinds of sauce, Kansas City and Central Texas. Ed, your picture's on both of these, but I've got to ask you, what is the secret to all great barbecue sauce, no matter what region it's coming from? Because those you can just look at and see the visual difference. One's gold, you know, one's, one's East Carolina vinegar-based, much less thick, much more vinegary and liquidy. What do all great barbecue sauces have in common? Well, I like about uh say that uh you you kind of pick and choose from the uh from the area from which you where you're from if you're south carolina you know people like a little mustard at theirs and so you have to kind of be able to blend basic spices which mostly all of them have which is the very very uh the the uh spices the different type of spices that you like paprika paprika and different salt and pepper and things of that nature. And then of course you sort of figure out, well, there's a special kind of taste uh, that lights up the taste buds in certain areas. And in South Carolina, they like a little mustard flavor taste. And so you have to then blend a little of that in there to kind of give it that, that taste. And so you just, just move from there. There you go. Yeah. Now I want to show you the, the audience, but when you go to the grocery store, I want you to find these and I want you to see the difference. Almost every other brand of sauce is going to look pretty much the same. They're just going to have a different label. But this is a big, thick Kansas City. Thick, going to have a little bit of sweetness to it, maybe a little bit of tanginess to it. They all have the traditional, true-made version of less sugar. It's got a big, giant, 100% flavor. And then we come over to the Carolina version. And you can see it's just, I mean, that's probably... As as liquefied as anything you'd want to sip. I mean, people people get that all confused with uh with uh salad dressing a lot. So we like to we like to inform them that the vinegar is also a barbecue sauce. Yes, absolutely. And I want to just make sure that we we talk about this because again, and it's not just Carolina. This Carolina Gold, it's a little bit less thick, but it's still very thick. It's this true East Carolina that makes me feel like. Ed, if I were coming to your house, which one of these would you make for me? I'm kind of wondering, is it this East Carolina? Is this the one that's the the, the one that you're picking for me? Yeah, I would have to go with that because that's 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 my heart. I mean, that's that's what I was bred and raised on. That East style. So I can't I can't deny that. Now the other ones I sort of uh, used a little bit of my palate uh based upon the general areas that uh I went and explored the taste and sort of try to blend some of my sauce to make some of their sauce with some of the special types of uh, flavors that I thought that they would like. Like I said, in Carolinas, it's sort of gold, it's sort of mustard based in the Central Park, you know, uh, Kansas City's part. It's a little sweetness, a little, more, a little tomato based type. Yeah. So, you know, I try to blend, but I, well, I would have to start with my, my vinegar base first and I couldn't, I, Kate and all now, I would have to spread that out for you first. Jeff, I didn't mean to invite myself over to your well, house. That's fine, though. That's fine. It's cut right all over. Now, listen, before we let you go, and you've been extraordinarily generous with your time and, and, and in creating these 
you've probably been asked over the years by a hundred people to to make it possible for me to come up with something that's in the tradition of what you do in your home and in your state. And you've you've got this product out with True Made Foods, and there's a reason why this really was the right way to do this. Could you talk a little bit about how, given how much opportunity you probably had over the last 20 years, especially, why why this was such an important project for you to say yes to? Well, early on in, in the early part of my life and careers, um, we made the sauce in the in, uh, early days, grandfather and them, you know, they, they use a lot of sugar. And the reason for that is that we had a lot of sugar. And the reason we had a lot of sugar is because not only did we make barbecue sauce, but we made moonshine. And you have to, and you have to have plenty of sugar. So we, we, we sort of had, uh, a, a little overly, I say, uh, use of, of, of sugar in the, in the vinegar base in the earlier days. And, uh, and of course, uh, a little more sweetness that I probably would recommend based on the sugar. But as time went on, time went on, we didn't realize that the sugar has a, obviously an effect on health. And so, uh, I began to well, commit to a, what I call a borderline diabetic. And so whenever I had an opportunity to uh, get involved with a project that, that took away most of the sugar, not all of the sugar, but left me with the basic flavor and the taste of my barbecue sauce, I, I just jumped right on that idea because they, sub, they supplemented with, um, with uh, butter squash and things of that nature, healthier uh, uh, vegetables and stuff to help uh, to get to maintain the sweetness, but yet uh, dilute and take away most of the sugar. And when 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 that opportunity came about, I had to jump on that because I wanted to give the people still a good flavor of barbecue sauce, but I wanted to have a reduction in the amount of intake of sugar that that I that I gave because I was concerned about their health as I had began to get serious about mine. I am so right with you. I want to just read these ingredients. Apple cider vinegar, butternut squash, carrot, salt, black pepper, red pepper, garlic powder, onion powder, paprika, sage, and turmeric. And that's it. I defy you to go to any store anywhere, any restaurant anywhere, and find anything cleaner and truly more irresistible. And that's the word I really want to leave this next section of our conversation off with. Irresistible speaks for itself. And whatever you make, whatever you do in the world, if it's not irresistible, as far as I'm concerned, you have to keep working at it. <laughs> Sir, you have really gotten to the hardest thing there is to achieve in food, and that is irresistible. And the only other thing that's even harder than that is to maintain it, which you have. But irresistible is the cornerstone of hospitality. And when I was talking to Mrs. Leah Chase and she would describe, well, when you come to my house, this is how we make this food. Right. It's something I say almost every day to people that are in our business. Because when people come to our house and sit at our table, like you've been gracious enough to come and do today with us, then it is my role to make sure that you know how 
honored I am that you're here. And how do I delight you when you are at my table? And how do I welcome you and let you know that I see you and this matters having you here and I want you to be as delighted as possible? That is the essence of hospitality. And once we get there, then we can cultivate as we pick and chew and laugh and sing yeah, and, and sit. We can make conviviality. You can't do any one of these things without first starting with the intention of hospitality rooted in the irresistible. You have now generously given us, thanks to our friends at True Made Food, this irresistible way that we begin this season. You had mentioned hands in Easter time. There's a full array. But I just wanted to use all of these words to say thank you to you and to have you talk a little bit about how important food is in the tradition of hospitality in your world. Absolutely. I mean, for us, you know, we're giving, we, we, we give people a piece of our lives, you know what I mean? The, the most humbling thing you can do uh, for family, friends, and people that you care about, as well as our customers, is to provide them with the meal that you, that you put your heart and soul into. Uh, that's the essence for us of hospitality. It really, you know, if you ask my grandmother what the secret ingredient is to get anything, she's going to say, look, she won't tell you much about the spices or flavor of this. She's going to say, just going to taste the love. That goes all the way back to, you know, from our childhood to the cultural narrative around North Carolina in general, uh, you know, hospitality uh, and sharing. Uh, our food and our culture with the rest of the world has always been uh, the most important part of barbecue. That's what barbecue really is. Um, you know, it's, it's it's not always fun outside standing around those pits on a hot summer day and it's 300 degrees inside of that smoker and it's probably 90 degrees outside or uh, almost 100 degrees in those smoke houses. And so those pit masters who give the world and give uh, their families, you know, even the backyard heroes who are giving their families uh, that effort and, you know, of, 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 of food, that effort and providing something delicious. Those are the people that we always like to champion. And, uh, you know, that's what it means to us. And that's why we really do what we do. Chef Ed Mitchell, is there any greater moment in life? And watching someone put the first bite of your barbecue in their mouth, knowing what the reaction is that's coming. I'll tell you, you, you just pull my heart straight right there because that that that's what drives my passion. You know, I I I I, I really love seeing the expressions on people's face when I can almost when I say almost because of the difference uh, in the way things are done now as it were back then. Uh, the 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 flavor or the or the the taste or the or the experience I should say of tasting something that's so good that you just you know it just takes you to another level and and when I have perfected that to that point that I think I'm just about where it used to be in the very very old days and and when I see a person experience that it gives me joy I love it. And that's why, you know, uh, going back to the reason why I sort of uh, altered the original flavor of the barbecue sauce uh, as, as it relates to the reduction in the sugar is because I want to still get that flavor, but I want to make sure 
that you were healthy and that you enjoyed what you were eating. And that doesn't give me any more pleasure. There's nothing else that give me any more pleasure than seeing you sit there. <laughs> That's right. Shake your head and say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. When I, when I see you doing that, I know I've done my job. Well, if you want an authentic, irresistible food swoon, I'm going to tell you, try this true made. Chef Ed Mitchell, Ryan Mitchell, I cannot tell you what an honor it is to have had this time with you. I know I fangirled a little bit more than usual, but please forgive me. I am in absolute hog heaven today. You don't know how much you have just touched my heart and delighted me. It's truly my honor to welcome you to this table and to be able to say thank you for this incredible gift and, and for all this time. You've been very generous. And I look forward to, um, I don't know what the phrase is, but but I would say clinking glasses, but I think I'd rather, you know, sit sh elbow to elbow with you at a good old fashioned pick. Uh, and anytime you need an extra set of hands or need someone to come uh, stage, uh, I, I'll be there in a heartbeat. Okay. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Whether you are thinking about becoming a restaurateur or you are already in the business, Michael Politz has written a must read The Food and Beverage Magazine's Guide to Restaurant Success. Pick up your copy today at Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Books a Million, or wherever fine books are sold.